It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so we, we took Byron inside to, to get looked at by uh, the medical staff. And fortunately, uh, relatively speaking, uh, the initial once-over didn't show anything, which uh, I think we can take as a as a cautiously optimistic good sign. I saw a bone sticking to the skin. I don't know. I don't know what he was looking at, but Byron Buxton went down on the warning track yesterday. We'll talk about that and uh, cross our fingers here. Mackie and Judd, we've got old tweets exposed on the episode today. And uh, some some go for football discussion as well. A big thank you to Luther Brookdale Toyota, six ninety four on Brooklyn Boulevard, the best service team in town, and a service team that's been taking care of my family for thirty plus years. With all that's going on too right now, you know that at least you can be traveling in your car and feel pretty safe, and you can do road trips and bounce around that way. I've done that a couple times already this summer, and so you want to make sure your vehicle is running smooth. Bring it into my friends Steve and Dwayne and company in that service department. They'll check to make sure everything is running smooth with your vehicle and that you and your family are safe on upcoming trips. Even better, you can win up to $1,000 toward your repair bill from Toyota just by taking your vehicle in for service. Save a little time also by scheduling your visit at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. He didn't do anything wrong out there today. It was just a, a misstep out there in the outfield. And that's that's really the only way that I would I would describe it. You know, there there are guys because of, you know, their athleticism and the way that they play the game, they're they're gonna be more at risk for uh, for different things. But um, today was just uh, kind of an just an off chance misstep. With all that's happened so far in 2020, I almost forgot about how much of an injury prone twig Byron Buxton can be, Judd Zolgad. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it just, I'm not mad at him. Like, there's, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but his body gives out every single year. We don't know the severity of this injury yet. We're still waiting on news from the twins as we record this episode of Mackie and Judd, but to see him writhing on the ground in pain. Breaks your heart and makes you mad. Mad at who? I don't know. There's really no one to be mad at. It's just circumstance. Yeah. So he he uh, showed up for the beginning of summer camp a, a couple days late last week after his wife had uh, given birth to their second son, I believe. And last Wednesday, give a press conference at which Byron Buxton says, I'm feeling 100%. The uh, shoulder injury that I had that ended my season last August 1st is completely behind me. Rear view mirror. Here we go. And we had, I believe, an extension talk on this very show, Phil Mackey, at that time about the impact that Byron Buxton could have and if he can stay healthy and if, 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 if. 
And last night in an inter-squad game, he is tracking a fly ball, it sounds like, by Nelson Cruz. He is not at the wall. He does not crash into the wall. He instead has his cleat, it sounds like, or shoe get caught between the warning track and the, the grass or something like that and twists his left ankle, left foot, and has to be carted off. And my God. In fact, you know what I've got here? Last two years, I have decided oh, to go back, and just the last two years, 2018, okay? So I'm not even going back to, to, to the Quasnica collision in AA. I'm going back the last two years. Let me give you, to support your point, and again, this is not to make fun of Buxton. This is a very sad thing. This is not to even assess blame on anybody, as Baldelli said. It was just weird. It was one of those things. But let me give you the last two years of one of those things for a guy who I think we all agree if he is healthy and playing, can be a top-five impact type of player because of what he can do on the bases. He instantly, in in the outfield, makes your pitching staff better. Yes. The last two years, April 18, 2018, placed on DL due to migraines. All right? May twentieth, two 2018, placed on DL due to fracture in left toe, which he suffered on a foul ball during a rehab stint. Yeah. July fourteenth, two 2018, Placed on DL at AAA due to left wrist strain, suffered swinging the bat. August 1st, 2008. I'm not even out of 2018 yet. August 1st, placed on DL at AAA due to lingering issues with said left wrist that I just talked about. 2019, June 18th, placed on DL due to right wrist contusion, suffered on a hit by pitch. July 16th of last year, 2019, placed on IL due to concussion-like symptoms, suffered on impact with ground on a diving catch in Cleveland. August 3rd, 2019, placed on DL uh, due to left shoulder injury, suffered in uh, collision in Miami with outfield wall. And now I am, of course, because it's my nature, expecting the worst here. But those, Phil Mackey, are the last two years of a player who, if he can be on the field, there is no question about it, makes an enormous difference in who the Minnesota Twins are. So, uh, I mean, it's all yours. I don't know what the <laughs> best. Done. I don't know what the best case scenario is here. Like that dude got carted off the field, and they were supporting his leg or his foot in some way. They had a trainer. I didn't see exactly because the camera the cameras were kind of far away, but uh, but they were supporting his left leg in some way. Was it Marwin Gonzalez who was the first player on the scene who essentially just like threw his arms up right away too? I think it was, yeah. So right I don't know, it was yeah, like it was Lamont Wade or yeah, it didn't look good. It didn't look. Oh, Lamont Wade, yeah, I that, think it was Lamont Wade. I mean, was his legs sticking in the wrong direction? Right. So, I, I guess to me the best oh. case scenario here, and I am not a doctor. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Go ahead, I'm just one. giving. So, go ahead. Amateur opinions. Let's hear it about injuries I see from from 400 yards away uh, from my couch watching on social media. If it's a high ankle sprain, I think we would all take it at this point, right? Like if it's a if it's a break, he's out. If, if it, it's a torn Achilles, he's out. Yes. If it's a broken foot, like he's out. Anything of those things is out. If it's a bad yes. sprain of the foot, or if it's a bad high ankle sprain of some kind, he's out probably four to six weeks minimum yes. in a sixty game season. Keep that in mind right. too. Now, if he's available for October, this is the thing. I don't think the Twins can win the World Series and get through five and seven game series against teams like the Astros and the Yankees and eventually maybe the Dodgers. Like, I don't think they can get through those series without Byron Buxton because he is, he is a weapon for the pitching staff. He makes Jose Barrios better by a half run ERA, right? He makes Rich Hill better. 
So mm-hmm. I don't think they can win the World Series without Byron Buxton because I don't think there's a backup good enough with the bat and specifically with the legs and the glove that like you can get to the playoffs, especially in a shortened season. Anything can happen. Like you can get to the playoffs without him. I don't think you're beating the Astros in seven games without Byron Buxton. With Jake Cave as your center fielder or Lamont Wade as your center fielder, I don't think it happens. But the question is this: If he does get back, like let's say it's a high ankle sprain and he's out four to six weeks, and so he's going to to come back, it's going to be sometime. I just gave you over the last two years, not his career, two years, Mm -hmm. seven stints on the IL. So I guess at some point in time, you just have to simply think, okay, he's going to come back. But then the question is this. It's very simple. How long is he going to stay back? Yeah. And, and it never lasts. I mean, think about I'm this so last night, dude. I'm so sick of this conversation. Think about, oh, my God. I am too, Every but think, year for six but, years. But think about this last night. He is tracking a fly ball. Like, he does nothing stupid. It's not like he's like, yeah, I'm going to crash into this wall. He is tracking a fly ball in a meaningless inter-squad game meant to get in shape and twists something and collapses. Yeah, it's weird. I don't even like what do you like what do you do like I don't know I can't imagine how frustrated Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and Rocco Baldelli are too if this is indeed so it, it looked very serious so all we can go off of until we get the latest update and and once we do we'll do an emergency episode or something or we'll talk about it tomorrow but but it looked very bad yes and I'm just the twin it, it's hard to say well you got to have a better backup center fielder then like center field is one of the most center field shortstop and catcher and starting pitching at the top. There's just not that many guys. So you're not, it's, you know, it's not like in the NFL where sometimes you're just like, you got Andy Dalton as your backup quarterback, like, and he's an established guy, right? You're, you're not going to sign a starting center fielder to sit behind Byron Buxton. Guys aren't going to do that. And so you're just screwed when he gets hurt. Byron Buxton, with the skill set, which is a very rare one for a baseball player, cannot be replaced, though. Like, if you did have a guy who who you said, you know what, he's he's pretty good, he's not bad. He still can't do those things. Mm-hmm. Byron Buxton on first base is a nightmare. Byron Buxton in the outfield basically plays the entire outfield all by himself at times and saves countless runs, right? Yeah. Like, when you think about the totality of the impact that Byron Buxton brings your team, even if you replaced him with a good player, it's not going to be the same. Because baseball players, for the most part, lack his skill set. That's what makes this, to me, beyond frustrating to watch. You know, when Sano is out, you lose power, okay? But you can replace him. You like, And I know that some people love him. But Miguel can be replaced. So when he's not playing, it's not a, oh, man, the lineup really is not going to, or it's going to, to be adversely impacted for sure. And to your point, Phil, saying flat out, if you don't have this guy in the lineup, you can't win a World Series. And the Twins are or should be that good, right? If Miguel Sano is not playing, you don't say that. Like, you can replace him, and yes, it's nice to have him, but if he's not there, it's not it's not the end of your potential championship hopes. Correct. I'm with you on Buxton. I think you're exactly right. I think when you look at Byron Buxton and say, with him, without him. I think door A is potential World Series championship. I think door B is can probably win your division. You might win a playoff round. That's to be seen. But as far as a championship goes, yeah. you're right. And Byron Buxton on in that for the Twins, I think, is one of the few players who you can unequivocally say, if you don't have him, 
you are not going to win a World Series. One of the solutions that came to mind, and now that I'm sort of looking through this, it's probably not, is, all right, can Royce Lewis, Royce Lewis was the Arizona Fall League MVP last year. He had a, a rough, there were some injuries involved. He had a rough regular season in the minor leagues between high A and double A. Mm-hmm. He only batted like 235, like the power was not great. He just wasn't great, and he got caught stealing a bunch of times. And he's moved down from being a consensus top 10 prospect to more like in the 25 to 30 range. Well, can he, is there any way he could make a jump? Because they had him playing center field throughout uh, the fall league and, and even just like working out in center field down in Fort Myers. Is there any way Royce Lewis could just jump into the big leagues? Well, he's only had 33 games above a ball in his career. Yeah. It's just, it's too much of an ask. To just throw him in as the number nine hitter, I think, yep. in a shortened season, it just I, I just don't. And plus, he hasn't. Can he, he play hasn't out even there, minor league in pitching center field too? Well, I'm I'm like Jake Cave is kind of a disaster to me in the outfield. Jake yes. Cave in center field, he like he missed like he made a couple bad plays yeah. down the stretch last year. So if you want to go deep dive into the statistics here, so according to Fangraphs, defensive runs saved, which is essentially a plus minus number for. How many runs you saved or or allowed uh, compared to the average player at your position? Mm-hmm. The difference between Byron Buxton over a full season in center field versus Jake Cave is probably between twenty and thirty runs defensively alone. I buy that defensively alone. <laughs> I completely buy that. That doesn't count like yep. any base running gains that Byron Buxton would get you. Any offensive gains Byron Buxton would get you. Yep. Jake Cave is a pretty good offensive player, but to put him in center field. You're just patchworking, and then, and that's probably what they have to do if Buxton can't play. So you fingers put Kepler crossed. Back but, out there. I mean, he's not. He, I think that's what you do. He's not great there, but he's better than Jake Cave and Center. Oh yeah, yeah, Jake Cave. I don't think neither is, one of those an are. Those are not good defensive options. Neither one of them is. Like you, you literally just have to go with the the most offensive centric lineup and pray that your pitchers miss bats because you'd be giving up so much in the outfield. But I don't know what your other options would be. Like literally a week and a half before the season's going to start, and this dude twists an ankle going back uh, on a fly ball. Look, inside you look field. worse than twisted. Dad. And the other problem too, as a fan, this really sucks oh, yeah. because watching him play is so much fun. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. If you came to me and said, "Start, uh, start cherry picking guys out of the off the Twins roster who you can't watch. You might like them, but you can't watch them." I'd have a long list of guys before I got to Buxton. Like, Buxton, to me, would, would be one of the most intriguing, fun players. Just the amount of excitement that the guy brings when he when he walks. When he walks, just him being on first base is so much fun. And year after year after year for, for um, problems that are sometimes self-induced, and like last night, not Byron Buxton's fault yeah. at all, we don't get that opportunity. I'm struggling here because, again, like this dude has been in the in the major leagues now. This is his sixth season or sixth partial season, and I'm like my main emotion is just frustration over this. Yeah, and I it's not fair to be frustrated at him because you could maybe like running into the walls. You could maybe be a little frustrated at him, like dude, there's a warning track, figure it out, stop running full speed into walls, all right. But when something like this happens, or he sprains a wrist or falls a ball off his leg or whatever, like or twists his ankle or whatever this injury is going to wind up being. I don't know that you can just. It's not like you can say, "Dude, stop twisting your ankle." Like what? Right. The guy. Yeah. The guy's. He's a fragile player. Like. And how does he feel? I mean, this poor guy because he works his ass off. He does. He's like a good he, dude. This is not a lazy, no care guy. This guy cares yeah. a lot, and this guy works 
and this guy applies himself and tries to. And, and the really weird thing is the litany of different ways he manages to get hurt. Yeah. I will point out he is in terms of long term impact. If this if this ends his season, the next time he plays baseball, he will be twenty seven years old. He turns twenty seven in December. He's no longer a young player. Speed is his most yeah, this is, yeah. important asset. And that speed every single year, once you get to be like twenty four, twenty five, your speed might maintain for a couple of years, but the closer you get to thirty, your speed decreases every single year. Kirby Puckett, Tory Hunter, those guys oh, by the time they're in their early thirties, they had to move right. out of center field. Yes, so we're just we're getting closer and closer to Byron, but Buxton. without ever seeing him. Yeah, like we're never going to see, we're never going to see the guy that we thought and, and that we got glimpses of. But, yeah. but Phil, think about him when he's been going his best and how much fun. And it's been brief. I get that, but when he's been going uh, either offensively or defensively his best, think about. As a baseball fan, the dynamic and the fun that is to see. Yep. So, I don't know, maybe you're may, right. It's may, frustrating. Maybe right when we shut our microphones off, they'll say, "Oh, false alarm!" It was like when Delman Young fell down on the warning track in Milwaukee, acted like they were going to have to amputate his leg. What they bar do you think Delman off. went to? They brought an on ambulance on the field or something, and then next day, what he's bar? Back what bar? There was no question <laughs> that Delman that night went out drinking. That was hilarious. Drank. Uh, real quick plug: we just launched our second YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Mackie Judd if you want. Twins discussions, wild discussion from yesterday, action movie rewind. Write that down. Check out. So we've got two YouTube channels. YouTube.com slash Score North is where you can find all of our Viking stuff. And uh, thank you to everyone who's subscribed. We're almost up to 9,000 subscribers on that channel. And we're keeping it Viking-centric. And then uh, YouTube.com slash Mackie Judd. Thanks to the first couple hundred subscribers there. We're looking to push that to 500 subscribers as soon as possible. Just uh, our own internal goal here, I guess, on the show. So uh, give us a give us a shout in the comment sections on on YouTube, and also continue to follow the whole show in podcast form. Hey, Mackie and Judd listeners, a quick thank you to Federated Insurance for standing by our show and Score North over these past few months, and also a tip of the cap to Big Brothers and Big Sisters, which is the longest-running, oldest, and maybe most influential youth mentoring organization in the United States. Federated has raised a lot of money for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. I'll tell you, the the biggest benefit of Big Brothers and Big Sisters from just my conversations and observing is you're looking to maximize the potential and maximize the upside of young people in this country. Give them the resources. Give them the mentoring relationships that go Beyond academic success, life success, emotional intelligence, the ability to make better decisions and have social emotional skills, oftentimes predictors of success. You can set up young people by pairing them with big brothers and big sisters, mentors. You can find out more about the work that Federated does to shine a light and to raise money for big brothers, big sisters at federatedchallenge.org. That's federatedchallenge.org. All right. I was texting with a friend last night, gentlemen, and I uh, it was almost like a sports therapy session. And I just want to I want you guys to to be my sports therapist here. This all kind of started with a question Judd posed in our in our prep email last week. Who has the most to lose if 2020 sports just go off the tracks and everything gets canceled? Is it the twins that we think are on the verge of winning a World Series if everything goes right? Or is it the Gophers football team 
that has a preseason ranking of 12th in the country. They've got a Heisman Trophy, sort of a secondary Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, and they've got one of the most electric and charismatic and maybe just best coaches in college football in P.J. Fleck, right? So you've got these two teams ready to rock and roll. They could be really damn good. I think that's the bottom line. Yep, both teams could be really good. Yep. I think my biggest sports fear, as I was texting with my buddy Joe last night, is the 2020 college football season gets canceled. Sure. And this is like tortured gopher fan here who, like, when they went to the Sun Bowl against Oregon 15 years ago and beat them, I was like, <laughs> there's you know, a reason why I that. asked this question, Phil. Right. My biggest sports fear right now is the 2020 gopher football season gets canceled. Your quarterback goes to the NFL, Tanner Morgan. One of the top wide receivers, Rashad Bateman, <laughs> yes. says, peace out. I'm I'm not sticking around either. I'm going to go get go get me some money in the first round of the NFL draft. Goodbye. And P.J. Fleck also leaves. Notre Dame? Now, Notre Dame would be a good fallback because I am also a Notre Dame fan, so I could I could live with that. Brian a bit Kelly, more. you know, they might say, Brian, why don't you go, why don't you go become a booster for us? Uh, I mean, a fundraiser. I guess the, the saving grace would be if all of college football gets canceled, are coaches going to get fired? Like, would would, te- would no, no, I, I was joking. I think the but flex- that's my fear is that this okay. whole thing gets canceled and it blows but, up, and the potential biggest season in Gopher football recent history just blows up in our face. If I can provide said therapy here, I think your first two fears are very real. I think your second one, the Bateman one, actually bothers me greatly because I have been as a sports fan. Looking forward to seeing this kid play in 2020 since 2019 came to its conclusion, right? Yeah. Like, this is a special player. I think your Fleckian fear is probably true in the coming years. I don't think it's going to be true immediately. But but I asked this question because I know that you love baseball, grew up a Twins fan, mm-hmm. covered the Twins. But more importantly, Phil Mackey, I knew that to tug at your heartstrings would be to say, go for football. And, and, here's, and here's why I... I'm not being mean, and it's fair. I'm 50, dude. I started watching this team in 1978, okay? And because of my age, I have seen the Twins win two World Series titles. I've seen the Twins beat be good, and the Twins being good is fantastic. But what the Gophers could be this coming fall, if they play, if they played, is territory I've never been in. And you have not, and you care way more than me. So that's why I... so. I'm not going to sit here and poo-poo or or try and put down the expectations or your fears about go for football because with the way this poor program operates, they're not unjustified. They're really not, and it would be a shame. But ordinarily, it's the Gophers doing something to themselves to shoot themselves <laughs> in the foot, right? They've like the one year in 2003 where they had three NFL running backs on the roster, including Tom, I think Thomas Tapay was still on the team. There's like three yeah. NFL guys in their backfield. Can yep. you do the Tapay look, look for me? The Tapay stare. <laughs> hey Thomas, how's the foot feel? Oh my God, don't hurt me. What foot? Uh, the foot injury that the, the Brad Childress mentioned in, in uh, his press conference. I don't have feet. <laughs> it was. Why are you Stewie asking Griffin? me about my feet? Yeah, Stewie Griffin. The I don't have feet. Yeah, yeah, Stewie Griffin. Yeah. Really, that's exactly what it was. Thomas Tepe is like, okay, dude, I'll just go away right now. Bye. It's like, like, like they had a chance to make a run, go to a Rose Bowl in 2003, and yep. through self-inflicted losses and defensive meltdowns, they shot themselves in the foot. PJ Flex teams are sort of the opposite in that they... Yes, they melted down against Wisconsin in the snow, and they, they lost a couple games that ideally you wouldn't. So I'm not saying they were flawless last year, but they rose up to the challenge against Auburn in a bowl game. Yep, They rose up to the challenge against Penn State 
at home, and they come up with a big stop at the end of that game with an interception by Antoine Winfield Jr. Like, this team has charisma. This team has, I would argue, football courage. They rise above circumstances. And it would just be such a classic Minnesota sports thing for a freaking pandemic to wipe out what might be the best gopher football season in my lifetime, maybe going back even to like 1960. The other thing about this season, yes, the non-conference schedule was wiped out, so that's probably three guaranteed victories for the Gophers that are gone. But if you look at their conference schedule, they've got a couple tough games early. Wisconsin, that's an early game. That's in October or like late September of the season. Iowa's early. I was pretty early. In fact, so it might be week one now for all for uh, because it, it's a Friday night game. But you're but you're going to find out a lot early in the schedule, yep. like that Iowa game, the Wisconsin game. But if you can weather the storm there, you don't play Penn State, you don't play Ohio State. You get the Michigan game pretty early on too. The back half of your schedule, if you can do some damage early on, is a lot of Northwesterns. It's a lot of winnable games for you. A lot of games that might not be played if my worst nightmare comes to fruition here. Well, and and also, if they're not playing their non-conference games, their first three games are Iowa, Maryland, Wisconsin. So, so, so it could. So they, they definitely knew do need to get off. I think to a pretty good start. Yes, right? like you probably like if. All right, let's just just to set expectations here. I want this team to play in the Big Ten championship game. Therefore, I think they get spotted one guaranteed loss. Like you sure. can lose one game and still get to the Big Ten championship okay. game. Yeah. So be it Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, like you're going to have to win. Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa are the three toughest games on your schedule. You've got to win two of those three games. So I, so it's it's not exactly a gimme that they get to where you know I want them to so be the this league, year. But this, this is the best chance they've had to get to a Big Ten mm-hmm. championship game in a long time. Yes. Now, when they canceled the non-conference games last week, my understanding is the conference is going to come out and probably redo the schedules and add a 10th conference game for each team, okay? So the schedule that we're looking at right now is not necessarily completely reflective of what it's going to be. So they might get Ohio State snuck in there at the Somebody last might. They're going, to, they're going to probably get, if they play, and this is the big if, if they play, they're going to get, and I think this is true for each team in the conference, they're going to get a 10th game put in to substitute for one of the non-conference games. Sure. That is lost. The thing about this Gopher program, and, and just as far as as between the two, if we had, had seen the Twins and Gophers both have success, and we have not seen the Gophers have the type of success that we're potentially talking about here, I would take baseball because I like baseball more. But the Gopher football thing, personally to me, is a curiosity of epic proportions uh, because here's the thing that I came away from last season, and in particular the Wisconsin loss, Okay. Ordinarily in Gopher football, if they have a pop-up year, the Wisconsin loss is, oh, my God, they blew their chance. This was going to be, oh, it's over. Typical Gophers, right? But that's not how that felt. And then you you went to a really good bowl game and physically kicked ass. Yeah. You, you dominated. So the difference is the Wisconsin game was disappointing, but if in no way, shape, or form felt like Fleck and the boys were like, okay, that's it, 2020 is coming, and it's not going to be great. So all of that put together, my curiosity about the Gopher football team and the season and the potential here, and the reality is this. you could, If they were going to play, you could easily say, you know what, they can win the Big Ten West, they could go to the conference championship game, and it's going to be tough, but they could win that game. Um, and And so the feeling that you had coming out of 2019 – was not, oh, man, that was fun, but they blew it. It was, no, they're building something. And now we could see it epically by a pandemic just completely yeah. stop. It also year. feels like the Twins are building something, too. It, it, you know, last sure. year, last year, yes, it was yes. a buzzkill that the Twins got smoked in the playoffs. 
hundred, you know, the home run record, a hundred wins. But it also feels like the door is open for the Twins, and so I don't want to leave them completely out of this conversation because the, the the question is who has more to lose, go for football or the Twins. But to me, the Twins don't have as much to lose because the Twins have a great young nucleus of players. They've got. You know, even if Byron Buxton is not, not part of the five year future, like yeah. like Barrios is here. Yeah. And they've got exactly. like another wave of Royce Lewis Kirloff. The Gophers now I will say the Gophers are are recruiting better than they ever have in my time watching this program for thirty five plus years. They're bringing in four star guys. They might even be in a position to bring a five star guy in at some point if PJ Fleck keeps recruiting like this. So the one thing in college football is Sometimes you don't know what's on the horizon with players because if you don't follow recruiting super closely, there's there's you don't you might not know that oh when Tanner Morgan's gone, don't worry like there's another dude that's going to step up and by the time he's a sophomore he's going to be fine too. There's another Rashad Bateman on the horizon, mm-hmm. but I think we've got this scarcity mindset with the Gophers where when Eric Decker comes along and Adam Weber comes along and those are two NFL players and you botch that era and you only win like six games or whatever it is. We have watched this program for so long to know that you know that opportunity when you have an NFL quarterback and an NFL wide receiver that only pops up like once every ten or fifteen years and go for history. It might be different now with PJ Fleck. You might just get more shots at it because you have a better roster and better recruiting. But look at this team, though. You've got the quarterback, receiver, every member of your offensive line is back. Like if you look at the components that that uh, built in two thousand. 19 and should really pay off in 2020. Yes, you, you lost some good players, Tyler Johnson, Winfield, but you have so much back. And this is, I think, legitimately, if if the pandemic is gone and we're talking about right now, go for football starting practice in a month or so. I think we're talking about a legitimate expectations that would that would probably date to the last time they were this high for this program realistically to the 60s. Yeah, that's crazy. So this is my worst fear is that all of a sudden Kevin I don't think Warren, Flex Big gonna, Ten Commissioner, says Flex it's gonna all leave canceled. You. I don't think Flex going to leave you. I don't think you have to worry about that I don't after think 2020. Too, it would, but, but 2021 or 22 maybe. It gives If the season gets canceled, it gives a lot of athletic directors full days and several months to, to contemplate and think about their coaching situation. If USC paid really well, I'd be concerned there because you could easily be like, yeah, you know what, our guy, what Clay Helton, he not so good. But here's the other thing, too, and this is just like, I, I might as well just throw this all out into the universe so I can maybe jinx it from happening. The Gophers are probably going to have to cut some sports. They're for sure taking a huge bath financially in that athletic department. Oh, yeah. So as they were building up through the last few years and they had the new practice facility and they're paying PJ Fleck more money and like they you know more more fans are coming in to watch some of these like they make money off volleyball and stuff right i just wonder if they're going to have to rein some of the spending in and if they wouldn't be able to then match another potential contract extension for pj fleck i'm just throwing it out spoken like a into true the gopher universe. football fan <laughs> spoken like a true we're going to be broken Six months, we'll have no money to spend on any of our sports. Football's going down the drain. It's all over. Too bad for the U of M. Tanner Morgan is going to the NFL. <laughs> Rashad Bateman's going to be a first-round pick. The season canceled. We didn't get to see them. Oh, Spring football's sakes. coming up for 2021. <laughs> Hopefully we have a vaccine by then. Yep. Right. Yeah, thank you. yeah, I love the rock. I love the guy that does that rock. 
Rah. All right. Uh, I, have, I have a quarantine rediscovery for you Stuck guys, too. in the house all weekend. No sports to watch. It makes Mackie, Judd, and Rami something, something. Oh, crazy? Don't mind if I do. Well, okay, not quite. At least not yet. It's time for Mackie, Judd, and Rami's Quarantine Discoveries. Have you guys ever seen Free Solo, the movie Free Solo? I saw your note about this. a year or two ago. I have not. I heard about it, but I have never seen it. Declan? I've never seen it either. I've heard amazing things. You guys, it's one of those movies I've always wanted. It's always available on the airplane. Like every time I'm on Delta, <laughs> it's always on the Delta studio, and I've always wanted to watch it. But then I'll watch something that I've seen a thousand times for whatever reason on the 90 minute flight. I'll tell you what, there's a little something unsettling if you're at all afraid of heights, being on an airplane and watching uh, Free Solo, which is about Alex Honnold climbing 3,000 feet up the side of El Capitan in Yosemite. That'd be a little bit unsettling. I'm going to pop an image on the screen here so you guys can see uh, what I'm talking about. My palms are about to sweat if you do this. (laughs) My palms will definitely sweat if I see this. So I was tweeting back and forth with my buddy uh, Joe Fortenbaugh is a morning show host on The Game in San Francisco. And he tweet, he was like live tweeting his his watching a free solo. So there's a there's a collection of people in this country that love to climb massive rock structures without a rope. That's what a that's what a free solo is. It means you're you're solo climbing. You're so you're by yourself. Oh, I thought his name was Solo. I thought the rope. dude's name was Solo or something. His name was Alex. I thought it might be Alex Solo. You should maybe change it to Alex Solo. See, that's I thought it was movie. his name. I didn't realize that there was actually. A reasoning behind the name of the um, and and I actually okay, I don't know. There's so they're on the screen. Oh, that's here. not bad. That. That's just it. a screen. Where where are they? This is this is El Capitan. You can't. This is just a. This, you can't just see the them on. So you. This someone, is just the rock. Yeah. So someone climbed this thing without a rope. Oh, you're the death wish. Straight up the side. It's the biggest death wish since the people went against Charles Bronson. It's three thousand feet, and yeah. obviously, if you make a mistake, you die. So the way he prepped for this. He climbed it a number. He climbed it like 15 or 20 times with a rope just to map out the path. You're not just going to do it like if you do it without mapping out the path, you're probably going to die. Right. You're probably going to die anyways. But he somehow didn't die. Yeah, you're going to die. So people have died trying to do this. Um, my take was Alex Honnold free solo climbing up the side of El Capitan 3000 feet without a rope is the single greatest athletic accomplishment in my lifetime. Oh, wow. Agree or disagree. It's suicidal. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, like I don't even think of it as an athletic accomplishment. Yeah. I, th- I mean, it I is. It it's suicide, an amazing athletic a suicide. Accomplishment. It is mission of sorts. The, the shape you have to be in, and the muscles you have to have in your legs, your hands, your feet, your toes, your fingers. I have so many questions about this. Why on earth would you want to do this? That's kind of what the whole movie is about. It's the whole movie explores why. Why would you want to okay. do this? Why? He even has spoiler. A new, he has Tell a, me why. He has a new girlfriend. Well, we don't really know why. He doesn't know why. He just like it's in his blood that he wants to do these crazy things. And and it's just like so basically it's how he, wakes, he gets fulfillment. He wakes up every morning, lifts his head off the pillow, and thinks, "How can I get myself to a point of possible death today?" No, he thinks, "How can I get my fix of adrenaline and or fulfillment today?" And he doesn't like he's not religious. He doesn't really he doesn't really care about like anything other than just like living in the moment. I guess. Okay. So he I've doesn't he doesn't like fear this, death yeah. at all. So at some point he's probably going to die doing something like this because my guess is there's 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 more adventures to be had. But somebody asked like, well, what about like Jack Morris, you know, going ten innings in Game Seven, nineteen ninety one? I said that would qualify 
if before the game someone told Jack Morris, if you don't go 10 innings and shut out the Atlanta Braves on national TV game seven, you will die. If you give up a run, or at least play you Russian die. Roulette. Uh, I don't think you can compare people who have a death wish with actual athletic accomplishments, though. I don't think it's fair to, to, to that side. Yeah, I agree. Like, in my opinion, if, if you're talking about like all the muscles and all the athletic you know, prowess it takes to do something like that, I can make the same argument for basically any gymnast or Olympic swimmer, in my opinion. Well, yeah, but like but Michael, Phelps, what, Michael Phelps. I get what Phil's saying. I just think it's so crazy that it's it's not fair to hold people who have actually done great athletic accomplishments that might not kill them uh, and say that it's not as good. But Michael Phelps, when he gets in a pool, it would it would be like saying, dude, if you don't win whatever this Olympic race is, yeah. we will put five curling irons in the pool and electrocute you. <laughs> right, but this is cra- but this guy's nuts. Like this guy's crazy. Like okay. Like to me it's not it's just a death wish, so I don't know that I put it in the but, but I don't include matter? it in the box of athletic accomplishments. I just say you're nuts and you survived, but you're right, he's eventually probably gonna die. But if he's like OJ Simpson was nuts, like we don't like oh right. he's nuts, that's why he ran for two thousand yards because no, he's but, nuts. No, but that that's my point. They're separated. That murderer ran. Well, why are they separated? Why does it matter if he's nuts? I'm saying the athletic accomplishment itself, whether he's nuts or sane, because I don't think it's the fair, greatest athletic accomplishment. I don't think it's fair to hold other people's athletic accomplishments down because they didn't include the potential of actual quick death. Well, let me do another comparison. Let's let's just let's take it out of the athletic accomplishment bin and put it in the human accomplishment bin and compare it to like when Nick Walenda walks a tightrope on the Discovery Channel across the Grand Canyon. Also, yeah. I feel like sometimes Nick Walenda wears a harness, so if he falls, you know, he doesn't die. He also has a pole, so he's he's got a pole that well, is balanced. he's balancing himself. Yep, which is kind of you know if you're gonna do it, you know, why don't you do it? Why do throw, it. Use your arms as the pole. Well, all in, baby. You want him to die? I mean, he's trying to survive. I I don't know. It's so crazy to me. I just can't even really identify with it. I mean, three thousand feet. It's ridiculous. Like, how would you feel getting to the top too? Like, holy cow! Like, what would there? Like, what would you do? What would you do tomorrow? So you just yeah. did this. You just injected your veins full of whatever you needed. What if halfway up you got about a common sense and looked down and thought, what the bleep am I doing? That's the problem. If and you then get, you might just be like, ah, screw it. I just fall. Like, think about what you just said, though. So it's 3,000 feet. You get 1,000 feet up. Yep. And you and you just you, you say to yourself, uh, I can't do this anymore. Right. I'm out. You're screwed. Like, you have to keep going. Can, they come, can someone come get you? Like can it, you it, be it would take hours. It, it would probably take hours because someone would have to go up. Someone would have to like climb their way up a thousand feet to go get you. Yeah, someone could go get you. And there was a film crew, by the way, that was like climbing kind of in and around with ropes to, but they weren't in a position to save him. And there were discussions during this movie. <laughs> Turn into faces of death, dude. There was discussions during the movie. Like they would literally film the guys in a room talking about, yeah, what do we do? Like we're filming this whole thing. What do we do if he falls? And they said, film it. It's so a then, documentary. Like then is he also he climbs back down too? Like what? Did he did he climb back down as well? Um, I, they went down some other path. Got it. Okay, but I don't think they did it like they did it safely. Got if yeah. if he had if he had got a thousand feet up and had lost his grip and fallen to his death and they filmed it, do you still get free solo? That's a good question. I, or I, fallen solo. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> what? No, it's what you call it, Fall. Yeah, it if you're going to show yeah, it. it. Free Fall Solo. Don't Free forget. Fall solo. Free Fall Solo. Faces uh, of Death. 
what, made three, I, I think about three films off of death. I never watched one of them. It sounded disgusting. But, there, I mean, we have seen released before people die. Yeah. I couldn't watch it. Watched, I, no, I, I couldn't watch it. When No way I could watch it. When, like, Napster and LimeWire were new and you could just download you videos and stuff, I downloaded a bunch of Faces of Death videos oh. in college. Such a mistake. I, I couldn't watch You're it. You're literally watching people die. I couldn't. Like, no. It's terrible. No. Oh, I've couldn't. actually never heard of that until right now. Face I of know. Death? What a big deal one time. No. Like 20 years ago. 15, 20 oh. years ago. Uh, yeah, no, I'm okay no, no. That. I'm good on you that. You really watched it? I watched like five or You're six You're one of the, of the few videos. people yeah. I know that actually could could watch it. I couldn't wa- I couldn't do it. It's bad news. Like you see people like getting hit by trains and stuff. It yeah, is disturbing. No, no. And they're, yeah, no, I couldn't do that. But anyway, interesting. So I, I mean, I'm not putting down. I'm not putting down what this guy did. I just mm. it's so hard. No, no, no. You know what? You're dismissing it because he's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I'm dismissing. No, I'm dismissing it but as as in the bin. Lawrence of Taylor was crazy. Yeah, but he never was. Oh, uh, he did 15 sacks, but that guy's crazy, so it doesn't count. No, I'm saying That's you can't. Put, saying. No, no, I'm saying no, no, no. Hear me out here. I'm saying I can't put this in the same bin of athletic accomplishments as ones where people didn't risk their lives because I don't want to denigrate what they did, too. This is such an out of the realm of the scope of the imagination of most people that it's a great athletic accomplishment. I just don't want to dismiss other athletic accomplishments. I will say, too, I knew nothing about Alex Honnold. I knew nothing. We went to go watch Free Solo, and I didn't know... So as I'm watching the movie, I didn't know how it ended. I didn't know, does this end with him dying or do they, I don't know. So you guys at least know the ending now. He okay. doesn't die. He's not dead. If he had fallen and they filmed it and and released this film and they had filmed him falling, would, would you have turned away from the screen or watched the fall to its conclusion? Jeez, I don't know. Oh, you watched it. It could have happened. I, mean, I couldn't I probably, watch it. I couldn't watch it. I probably would have watched it. it, it uh, you watched Face of the Death. So. Hey, you brought it up. That would go up. Yeah. It's a good segment. I'm curious. <laughs> I get to know more about well, you and whether you would have watched it. Send us a tweet. At Phil Mackey, at, at Jay Zolgat, at watch? Dex's tweets. Would, would you, would you, have you watched Faces of Death, I guess, is question number one. Number two. That's actually a good question. Where do you rank Alex Honnold climbing up without a rope 3,000 feet up the side of El Capitan in uh, Yosemite if, National Park? If there was video... Of Owen Hart falling, would you watch it? You and I just watched the Dark Side yeah. of Wrestling yeah. Owen Hart episode. I think I would. I would. I'd have to see it. How far did he fall? Uh, like 50, 60 feet or yeah, something? Yeah, like 50 or, or 100 60 feet? feet. I think it was like, was he it fell from the, was it an equivalent of like eight stories or, or something like more. that? He fell from the scaffolding of an arena. Into the into the ring, he bounced off the ropes with like a car- oh! with like yeah. a clip that wouldn't support. An infant, let alone a, a 220 yeah. pound muscular. So scaffold. Man. So he was on scaffolding, not a rope. It's like he wasn't so, being. Uh, he was. So he was on. He was supposed to come like. He was supposed to descend from the top of the arena in his blue blazer wrestling outfit. Okay. And the WWE decided this is like the second time or third time they did it, and they decided to to go a little cheaper on the rope gear oh. and the hook that they used. It was like some amateur company. And WWE paid like eighteen million dollars in a lawsuit to the Hart family, but but they they wanted like a quicker release. So when he got to the ring, he wasn't like fiddling with the hook, so they wanted yeah. just like a quicker snap release hook. And they tried a different hook, and he and it it like gave way or something as he's making his descent. Sure. And he yeah he fell like seventy eighty feet whatever where it was, was this died Kansas City? Allstate Arena or something no Kansas. Kemp or Kemper Arena it was in Kansas City right Kansas City 
Oh my god. Kansas City. And yeah. coincidentally or ironically, the pay-per-view was called Over the Edge. WWF Over the Edge. And they and they continued the show. They did not stop the show and then once 45 minutes later after he had left the arena in an ambulance, they had to just tell the announcers that he's dead and you're back in 10 9 8 yeah. and he just had to give the JR had to give the news. Wow. I remember I was this is like oh. May of 1999 yep. and I was actually coming back from a Buffalo High School band concert. We had a band concert nice. or something that. It was like a Sunday night. <laughs> so old, old Phil Mackey with his little dusting off the trumpet. Oh yeah. Playing some jazz music, whatever. I got home and so I was me and a lot of my high school friends would watch all these pay-per-views because the WWF was like the hottest thing in 1998-99. And I got home, I flipped on this pay-per-view probably like two or three matches in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler were on camera. And Jerry Lawler was like sullen, looked like he'd seen a ghost. And Jim Ross is saying, this is not a wrestling angle. So I didn't know what happened. I just flip it on. <clears throat> Jim Ross is going, this is not a wrestling angle. Uh, this is real life. Owen Hart has died. And then like the next match starts. And then, and they and like, then what yeah, you, they kept on. Jeff Jarrett comes How out. How could and they like, not postpone it? Well, yeah. that's part of the discussion. Like, yeah. And it's a, it's a crime scene. Like the ring is a crime scene at that point because yeah. he fell from seventy feet. Like you can assume it's an accident. You don't know. Did someone push him? Did Vince get did in trouble kill for himself? this? Like he Vince got out. eighteen million dollars yeah. and a ton like, of bad did, did the authorities? Because it sounds no like got, it was very no dangerous. Got arrested. It was just ruled no. an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Anyways, that's yeah, that's uplifting. See, this is not good when people die. That's my point. Very uplifting. Stay on the ground here. solo. Stay on the ground solo, dude. That's the point. Uh, is it time for old tweets exposed? It here? is. Declan's got it ready. All right. Every week here, and sometimes more. There's more. Where, there's more where it came from. There's 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 all kinds of old tweets for Declan to expose. Judd, Judd and I have been tweeting since 2009. Declan's been tweeting for a long time. And uh, the Twitter search function is a wonderful thing. And this is where Declan goes back and finds tweets like this one if you're watching oh! on the screen. Oh! This is uh, oh! this is from oh! July Hold on. Oh, 20. Put, my, yeah, put your mask I'm over your my, eyes. I'm putting my face mask over my eyes to oh, shield man. myself from yeah. this. Oh, thank God I can't see it. Go ahead. July 27th, 2012. I think Christian Ponder, quote, gets it. Do you? Seven replies. Seven replies. That's the first one there. It says, when does synchronized swimming start? Much, Much rather watch that this weekend than, <laughs> than this diseased <laughs> baseball twins? team. You- Ponder gets it. He needed to get it. We'll make the next step. That guy deserves to be incriminated, James too. Frank. Sure do. Sure do. Yep. Wow. All right. So uh, I don't really have a whole lot to defend myself. I like how you were. I like how you were attempting to look for the affirmation from the public. You got. He he gets it right. He gets it right. Do you? Do you think this? Do you? Can you affirm what I'm saying? So I remember. (laughs) I think it was right around that time. Oh boy! I was doing some. I was a spokesperson for Mystic Lake Casino for a couple years, like during football season, and there was some events and stuff. And one of the events was it was like a private event for fifty or hundred people. And it was it was a Q&A with me and Christian Ponder inside some showroom at Mystic Lake. It's mm-hmm. like a private little like, hey, the new Vikings quarterback. This was before the 2012 season. So he was coming off his rookie year in 2011. And people mostly had not turned on Christian at that point. Like he showed a little promise in 2011. And yeah. all right, yeah. he's a good dude. I wouldn't say charismatic, but he's, you know, he's a good guy. And so we sit down at this event and like I'm. Trying to get the crowd all excited, like, hey, this is your new quarterback, Christian Ponder, whatever. And 
we hung out backstage and chatted it up, and he was a good guy. And I just remember, like, my impression of him was, hey, he's likable, he's kind of charming, and he's a first-round pick. He, he kind of gets it. Like, he's a get-it guy, you know? He does the sponsor thing. He and was I, a, that's really, like... He was a smart kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. that oh. had nothing to do with football ability. Didn't, didn't Patrick have him on the stage downtown for something that 1500 ESPN did back in the day? Yes, I believe so. That Royce did a Q&A with Ponder? Yes. I mean, he did all that stuff. He was a, he's a, I think he's an intelligent kid. I just don't think he could play quarterback. He could not play quarterback. All right, Judd. Right? Right, right Phil? <laughs> Am I right? He couldn't play quarterback? This isn't necessarily a bad take from Judd. I just need an explanation, okay? Oh, I might have been drinking, but go ahead. Okay, this is from the original Judd Zolgad Twitter handle in 2009. How long before TNT and ESPN call McHale to see if he wants to do studio work? Kevin McHale. How about Barkley, Kenny? Smith and oh, McHale on the yeah. same set. Explain to me why Talking you wanted politics. Kevin McHale on, on set for TNT. Oh, McHale's time. fantastic. As a, a commentator goes, he is absolutely, he's hilarious. Is he, would he be better than Shaq in that fourth seat? Um, it doesn't seem like he would fit in there. Oh, no, he would. He, he's he can fu- yuck it up. He he's can yuck it up. very, okay. very right. funny. Um, in retrospect, at the time, I, I thought that he would be Better than Shaq. Shaq has proven to be a great fit, and Shaq is great there. Uh, but McHale is go, go back if you go back and, and watch. Uh, there was a time period I want to say before it's probably before we got the Wolves um, GM type job, where they paired for a season or maybe more Kevin Harlan on TV with McHale as the analyst. Yeah, it was and, good. You, and you guys, it was oh. hilarious TV. He's because he, he doesn't he. He took things very personally as far as criticism went as an executive, but like in the way he sees life in basketball, he's not serious. He was really good. Interesting. I, I will tell you that if you're ranking the things that Kevin McHale has been good at in his professional career, playing basketball is number one. Mm-hmm. Talking about basketball is number two. Coaching basketball is number three. And evaluating slash signing basketball players is probably number four. Post Garnett. Yeah, the Garnett draft pick he was also, a great draft pick. He also identified Kevin Love, so his his bookend draft picks, yep, KG and Kevin Love uh, were were pretty good. But yeah, no, he was he is hilarious if he wants to be. All right, old tweets exposed. Ducklin, I believe, is going to self report oh, here. Oh God, this is not. We good. were warned that this was absolutely awful, so I can't not wait good. to see it. Oh man! All right, October sixteenth, two thousand twelve. Ooh. Man, your read on your read on quarterbacks and pitching is horse bleep, Declan. Good thing I ain't working sports. Uh, Kyle Gibson is going to be an absolute stud for the Twins next year. And if you remember right, Kyle Gibson did make his MLB debut in 2013 as a long-awaited MLB debut. He went two and four with a 6.53 ERA and ten starts, and was sent down and did not get a September call-up. Ah, and then spent the rest ah, of his time with the Twins plus, for the most club. part, nibbling, yeah. nibbling, nibbling, nib- Gibby. Yep, he has been a nibbler throughout his career. Yeah, that was a bad take. That bad, was a bad take. take. Bad take. But good for Kyle Gibson. He's made over twenty-seven and a half million dollars playing baseball in his career so far. Hey, Dex. When it comes to your assessment of pitchers and QBs, I've got a question for you. Okay. Do you ever? Do you ever stop with what your heart says? And allow your head to weigh in on said tweet. It feels like it feels like a lot of your tweets come from from a good place, the heart of a Minnesota sports fan who wants to see things change. 
But unfortunately, it's like your head d- doesn't get involved and say, heart, I know what you're trying to tell me, but it ain't ever going to work. Yeah, I mean. Like, I think you're coming from a good place. I think you got the, I think you are. Obviously, I, prob- I probably have more, you know, I probably have, still have some, like, bad tweets from, like, after 2016 when I graduated college. Those definitely exist from 2016 to current. <laughs> but I will say 2011 to 2016 Declan, i.e. St. Cloud State, no booze Declan, right? Uh, had some pretty bad takes. Really, 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 really damning bad takes. I'm and trying to defend w- you, though. What's the era of your lives? Declan just gave his. The era of your life, if Twitter had existed throughout your entire life, the era of your life where you delivered uh, the most bad takes. Dr- uh, drunk or or young and just impressionable. Up to you. I mean, let's not count when you're like eight years old. No, but I'm saying I probably would have delivered a lot of bad takes on Twitter as far as being impressionable and young and somewhat idealistic at times. Probably would have delivered those between 82 and 86 or so. Wow. But the 90s would have been a bleep show just as far as drinking went and and not. I mean, your 20s, the, the fact that Twitter was not around in my 20s really helps me. A huge, huge way. My, yeah. yeah, my heart is a wonderful thing, but it makes some terrible, terrible decisions. <laughs> but it's like, terrible decisions. it's like the it's like the Declan brain does not get involved to stop said heart from getting things yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, God I, bless yeah. you, Dex. I think uh, I think you're pretty much nailing like my the, the worst takes of my career. And just just the most in this segment because I was forty. I was 40 when I started. Well, Ju- here's the, pro- the man. The problem with finding takes from Judd is Judd mostly skews toward like negative, pessimistic, or realistic tweets about Minnesota sports, and Minnesota sports tends to align with those things. <laughs> right. So your like if your trick yeah. for finding Judd tweets is going to be like times where he was negative, but something good happened. Yeah. That's probably where you're going to get Judd. Right, right. For me, it's probably the other way around, where I was like high on Nick Blackburn, oh, and then yeah. he got shelled. But again, or you were younger. You've changed as well. I'm still pretty pie in the sky. Like in 13 years, Dex will be like bleep this guy. Especially if everything will be, you every day. Everything yeah, yeah. will be down the middle. <laughs> everything will be. But I mean, that's because in 13 years, the guy will be 40 years old. <laughs> All right, we've had we've had some technical issues the last couple of days here with uh, with a couple of guests. So we're gonna we're gonna check in with Pat again tomorrow, and we'll get our stuff fixed on this end. But that's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed to our podcast feeds, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com, where you can listen, and to our two YouTube channels, Purple Daily content on youtube.com slash scorenorth and youtube.com slash Mackie Judd. We'll see you guys tomorrow for Write That Down Wednesday.